Well, I don't know if you are like me, but uh, there are just so many days that I feel like I'm running really hard and I don't have any time to rest. It was definitely this May was really this crazy for us because uh, we have about three birthdays in our family, anniversary and Mother's Day, all packed into these, like, these last two weeks. And so it is the most stressful time for me because um, <laughs> um, I'm the one uh, helping out to lead the kids, to decorate, and it is just a lot of things to prepare for, a lot of uh, moving pieces. And... Um, and so there's just a lot of things that I got to think about. And it's just so easy to let all this, you know, the, the decorations and the food and the preparations just kind of wear me down. But I don't know if that's you this, morning, or this evening, if this is where you are, but if you feel like your life is going a my, uh, million miles an hour and you feel like life is just passing you by and you're just craving for some rest, um, after the, all the anniversary and birthday swing, we got hit with a stomach bug um, this past week, and it was just miserable um, spending basically all of your days, all of your day in the bathroom, staring at the great white throne, and it's not the great white throne of God, but the great white throne of the Bema seat of judgments. Um, <laughs> it's just not good looking into a toilet bowl for more than one hour of the day. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, to see other things that will remain unmentioned. Uh, but yesterday morning, I, I came back, uh, or this, this morning actually, <laughs> uh, I still don't, I don't even know what day it is. Um, I walked in really groggily and I came in and I was just not there. I was just, I was still trying to get my eyes awakened. Um, and, um, and my eyes don't get very big anyways because I'm Chinese and that's okay. Um, <laughs> But I walked into a worship service. I walked into my kids uh, having their guitars out and just spending some time. And Ezra was playing guitar or pretending that he thought he knew how to play guitar. But Caleb was actually showing him some chords. And he was playing the song. And, and then so I was like, he was asking me, hey, what chord is this? How do I finger it? And I forgot. So then I got my guitar out. And then all of a sudden, you know, all what we're doing is we are worshiping. We, got, we, we started playing some songs. And Caleb got his book out. And we started playing um, The Love of God. Um, and we just started playing together. Um, and, and Ezra was playing. He was like, ah, da, 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 da. And then, you know, Caleb was playing because he actually knows how to play. Um, and then I was playing my guitar. And we were singing these songs that have meant so much to us. It was actually sung on our wedding day as part of the worship. But the, the hymns to the words, O love of God, uh, goes like this. O love of God, how measureless and strong, right? And how rich and pure. How measureless and strong were the skies contained the whole would be stretched from sky to sky. And I was just reminded at that moment that, hey, I had spent all this time running and going crazy and I'm walking into this room full of worship. And I'm captivated by this because I was thinking to myself, this is like a picture of heaven. This is a picture of where I want to be. I want to spend my time and my life. And this is what worship would look like in worshiping not only with my sons, but with 
the people of God from every tribe and tongue and, and nation, from every generation, extolling our God. And I walked around and I was looking around and I was, I was singing and, and I was like, no, 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 no. And Caleb was, you know, playing and, and his song. And I was just like, man, this is really where I want to be. I want to be a place where I am captivated by God. And I don't want those moments to be able to, to leave. I want the ever-present gospel song to be the song of our hearts and to be the picture of how, what we wake up in the morning. You know, as, as Eddie talked about uh, at the outdoor worship night, um, about that we are always worshipers. We're always worshiping something. It's a matter of who or what you're worshiping. And then as Randy just challenged us last week and spoke this um, just a, a message and just challenging and, and seeing that God is lovely. That God is beautiful. It just made me sense, had this sense of like, I want to just be in the loveliness of God. I want to drink in the beauty of God. And I want to experience, taste that. I don't want to see and experience a little bit of that. I don't want to just wait till heaven. I want to experience it with you, or I want to experience it here in our body or in our family. And I, I'm just thought to myself, I was like, I, we really just need to be caught up by God again and be in awe of him and to be... Um, not just going through the whole endless cycle of doing things and running things and, and, and running through things and, and, and just kind of going through our emotions, but what would it look like if we were to press into this and say, this is what we're going to be doing for eternity to eternity. This is something we are called to um, viscerally. This is who we are, is that we are worshipers and we're created for the presence of God to drink in his beauty and to savor him. I just thought to myself, I, I can't think of anything else that I'd rather talk about than worship because that's where I would want to be and that's where we are going to be. And so my heart for this worship series is that we would reframe worship to not just be a certain liturgy or a certain thing, certain forms or certain circumstances, but really, it would really start with knowing that worship is framed by who we love, who we are, or we are what we love. We show what our what who we really are is just through our delights, through our just nonstop, just uh, our spontaneous joy. And that's my heart for this worship series, that, that every worship series, or that that's every worship time that would be a time of loving God, being loved by him, and then using and, and just taking that love and being a light to the world, just kind of like our vision as we are setting that out. But that every worship service is just a reflection of that. That every time that we get together as a body of Christ, we're being loved by God, we're seeing a people loved by God, and we're seeing them so loved that they're loving others, and then they're going out to the world and sharing about it. And not only that, we get to pull back the curtains and do what, and be entering into what God has been doing for centuries. And that is glorifying and loving one another.
And so I would love to see um, this. And there's a, there's a quote by Brian Chappelle. He's a theologian and pastor that's been in my head for a long time. But just how we can take old school things like liturgies or like, um, and rhythms and just ordinances, and we can reframe that to say, our worship is really a product of our love for God and God's love for us. Listen to him as he speaks um, and, and writes this. And this will be kind of the framework that we're going to use and dive into our worship series. Uh, today is more of a, um, just an intro. Um, but he says this, Christian liturgy has a gospel pattern, not because someone's rule book demands it, but because believers express their love to God by responding to the way that he has expressed his for them. He expresses his love for us not to be mandating rituals to constrain us, but by sending his son to redeem us. Worship is a response to our Redeemer. The heart of Christian worship is love for Christ. The heart of Christian worship is love for Christ. And I, I think in the future weeks, I'd love for us and also um, be inviting some of the elders and staff to be able to speak in on this. I'm really excited uh, for them to hear and to share uh, their perspectives and their expositions from the Word of God but I'd really love for us, as we are running frenzied paces this summer, I'd really love for us to be captivated by who God is and make that our goal and our drive this coming year. That's why I think Psalm 84 just speaks so powerfully to us. Let's go back to the scriptures in Psalm 84 because it's a picture of a person who's swept away by the love of the living God. The psalmist to the choir master, according to the Gittith, the psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. Here we see a picture of a lover, a picture of a lover. You see the explosion of the praise that's just dwelling up in his heart. The psalmist erupts. He says, how lovely are, is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And, he's, and when he says he longs for a dwelling place, he beholds the beauty of the Lord's radiant presence. His very being, his deepest soul just cries out. He even says, my heart and my flesh, literally just his whole being is just crying out for the living God. What I love about this is too, is, is that this is not just for the journeyer. This is not for the p person on a, on a traveling or away or filling distance. This is for a person that is, um, who finds his home here. Maybe you find yourself doing a lot, of, uh, a lot of Christian things. Maybe you're in Christian ministry. Maybe you're serving in God's house regularly. There's a lot of Psalms that talk a little bit about people going on pilgrimages. But here, this is actually talking about the people who are working in the temple. Listen to James Boyce, another uh, preacher who said this, that they are saying that their souls yearn for God's house, not because they were separated from it, but because that is where they were and wanted to be. It was why they were serving. Does your heart make your heart home? 
in this, in this picture of a lover worshiping God? Is your heart in love to be where God is? Was your heart's desire tonight to commune with the living God, to enjoy being with him in this gathered church this evening? Because really, the, 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 the truth is that by our nature, we were sinners. We were idolaters. And when we entered into life, we were, uh, there was two kingdoms fighting, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And when we entered into the foray, we were part of the kingdom of Satan. Our hearts were chasing after the, the pleasures of this world and the treasures of the flesh. And we had turned to idolatry. We had worshiped the gifts and not the giver. And that's where it ties back to the, the writer. The, you know, the writer of this psalm were the sons of Korah. If you remember, Korah was the, or Korah was the one who just tried to lead a rebellion against God. The wrath of God came upon him. He was destroyed for chasing after counterfeit joys. And we see in, in number 1632, the earth swallowed him up whole for failing to give glory to God. These are mighty strong consequences, but it reminds us that loving God is dead serious for us. That's by grace. That's why the good news of the gospel is that God did not saw where we were, but he didn't leave us where we were. God has brought us out of the darkness of our sin, out of uh, the deception of the pleasures that we were following after, and he took us back into our kingdom through uh, the son's redemptive work meaning that Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay for our wrath, to pay for our penalty for our sins. And then on the third day after he died this death on the cross, he rose again uh, and, and showed that God had accepted his sacrifice and now invites all who would come to Jesus in, in weakness and trust that he would let us enter into his kingdom. And not only to his kingdom, but enter into his joy. Oh, part of the gospel is not that we're just going to a place without the presence of God. We are coming into a place in which the Father is delighting in the Son, and the Son is delighting in uh, the Spirit, and the Spirit is delighting in the Father and the Son, and their heart is to bring us to that same unity that they share, uh, that they are glorifying and delighting and loving one another. Uh, and they said, you know what? I'm so jealous for Travis's worship. I'm going to invite him in. I'm so jealous for Alan's worship. I'm going to invite him in. As James K.S. Smith says, Christian worship is nothing less than an invitation to participate in the life of the triune God. <laughs> just think about it. If Jesus came at this moment and he asked you to just be with him, I don't think we would ask, oh, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I got a Houston, I got a Rockets game to look, look to. I, uh, I got a Dodgers game to, to, to watch. Uh, I, I think, I, let me just hold out and uh, let me hold off on that RSVP Jesus until I get some, I figure out some better plans. No, man, we would just be like with them. Even if it was for five minutes, man, we would be in the presence of God, being with him. And not only seeing being, and being with him, but seeing this ceaseless worship going on before our eyes. And even in a second, our hearts would be changed. That would be powerful. 
this is one of those things where I'm just so thankful that the temple is a representative of uh, the church and, and, and the church is representative of what we'll be stepping into. And the psalmist gave this poetic image in which the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And so she gives this, this, this picture of a sparrow. And I don't think it's a sparrow of like laying a little, uh, a little nest on the altar. <laughs> um, I see that all the, on our oak trees all the time, but um, it's not saying that. But the poet did see some birds in the temple. And he's just giving this beautiful picture that even if birds were welcomed into the temple and he was being welcomed into, uh, into that and being, getting security and protection, the sparrow would find a home. He would find a home. In addition, the sparrow um, was, was seen as worthless. They were worth a farthing, which was the smallest copper coin. And Jesus refers to the sparrow's value when he said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The point is here is that if sparrows find their home and their security in the temple, how much more do we as the people of God find rest in the presence of God? How more do we find our deepest longing, our deepest affection, that we find our rest in him? And if you see that every major stanza is actually marked off with a blessing, verses 4, verses 5, and verses 12. Verse 4 is actually marked off by a blessed statement, kind of similar to the Beatitudes. It's that blessed are those um, that trust in you, or blessed are those who dwell in your house, that they are ever praising you. And again, this is really showing us that as we are finding our home in, in the temple, and in this case, probably the, 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 loose, the closest parallel is really the church, the local outpost of the body of believers in which the Spirit of God dwells in. Man, are we finding a rest in our security there? Because the Spirit of God has called us to meet, us, meet him there. Have you found your rest in Jesus today? Are you communing with him as you're hearing and singing and worshiping? Are you finding your heart retuned and recalibrated with all the craziness that's going on so that you can not only know the love of Jesus but experiencing him? You know, we, we know ourselves by how we sing and um, just in the time of the stomach bug, you know, I just found myself singing the song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, just to rest upon his word. And I just pray that that would be your rest today. The psalmists go on and they say, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And so this place is actually now talking about, well, if this is a picture of a lover and of a worshiper, what actually happens? And so we'll see two things. Number one, God strengthens us when we are dry. We know that we don't live our lives 24-7 in the church. Most of our lives are, are out and about. And so if this is the case, this is also for people who do not live in Jerusalem. They don't live near the temple. They don't have direct access, but their hearts are so in love with God. 
And so this is the, the, the same thing here. This is for people who are on pilgrimages. These are people who are travelers. But notice here, as, he, as the psalmist is talking, he's saying, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. He's not talking about a literal road. He's talking about the hearts that have their highways to Zion. In other words, their heart is leading straight to the heart of their father. Their hearts are resting in the presence and the worship of God. And as they're going through this, they're going through the valley of Baca. And Baca doesn't really sound good because it's not. It's a desert place. These, these, the valley of Baca is a place in which there are deserts and dry places. And it's translated as balsam trees, which is um, basically really salty, dry, shriveled up trees. Basically, they were not in a place in which they were far from God and his presence. And they made it a place of spring. And, um, and, and in verses six through seven, they made it a place of spring. Even the early rains cover it with pools. And they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. You know, they were not in a beautiful place. There was nothing in their context that would make them look into the loveliness or want to gaze into the beauty of Jesus. The only thing was in their hearts, the hearts that led to Zion. And what they did was they refreshed each other from spring to spring. In other words, they, they would run into each other as they ran into travelers. They would encourage each other with this picture of, yeah, I know we're in a dry and weary place, but you're going somewhere. You're gonna be somewhere. You're gonna be in the kingdom in which you will be enjoying and drinking in the pleasures of Almighty God. And so they were encouraging each other and they were using whatever they had going from strength to drink that's drawn out of this worshiping heart and just saying, God, I'm gonna encourage you to go to your Zion, which in this case is the parallel word to, to Jerusalem. He's basically saying, it's coming to, to say this, he, he, he's pointing them to, the, to, the, to the, the hope that they had in the last days that God is gonna dwell with them and that they will be with God. And their anticipation of worshiping God is just exciting them. And um, as Christians, as we are looking toward that, as we are finding ourselves in dry places, I know that we are so often just going through the valleys of Baca and going through waterless places in which we don't feel any longings and we're not captured by God. And yet we are also called to use um, our encouragement and our imaginations to think and, and look toward a heavenly country, which is Christ and his kingdom. I remember driving on the way to Dallas a few years back, and I got up at 3.15 in the morning to start my commute, and um, on the way, I experienced really bad weather, like storms, freak storms, and all that, and it was a time in which I just, I was like, I need to turn off my radio because it's so loud, but also because I needed to concentrate, but I also wanted to concentrate so I could commune with God, um, and I just really found so much strength in his presence. I was able to take Psalm 84, and then I realized that reading it while driving in uh, crazy thunderstorm weather probably wasn't a wise thing to do, uh, to model to my kids or uh, maybe to, 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 to get out of the car without, with my life intact. So I decided to say, I, uh, I'm just gonna listen to the audio. 
And I listened to it for, I don't know, five or six times, and I was trying to memorize it and recite it. And by the fourth and the fifth time, I just started realizing all the problems that I had on my heart started to dissipate and started to fade, and God began to share and, and just, 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 uh, just overwhelm me with blessings, blessings of my family, blessings of my salvation, blessings of a church family. And I realized, I was convicted that I was so focused on my problems, so so much that I had not remembered to go and see the joy and be strengthened by God in that moment. So I had a worship service right there in the middle of nowhere on a journey to Dallas. And yet that was a time of incredible strengthening for God. And also not only that, but just praying for others and being released and, but just really just communing with the Lord. You know, Christianity is not just knowing, it's really experiencing. And that's the second thing that happens when we long for God alone, that God satisfies us. Look at it with me in verse 10 through 12. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. The psalmist just ends with this picture. Better is one day. Can you picture it with me, Hope family, for a second? What would one day in the courts of God feel like? Think of your best day here on earth. Your best hour. Your best minute. And think about an, a day with the living God. I don't think there could be anything else greater. And you also know that the sons of Korah, they were lowly doorkeepers. They were basically the janitors of their time. They were the ones who were given the lowly duty of gatekeepers. And they would stand at the colonnades at each of the, the main positions and guard the temple. But do you see how countercultural this is? That the one who is lowest, you know, we always think about climbing up in rank and going higher and higher. But you see that the people who are most satisfied with God were not the one in the high social rank or social letters. They were the ones on the bottom. And yet they took this lowliest esteem position. They would gladly do it because that's where they experienced Jesus or God as the sun and the shield. This is the only place that you see a God being specifically referenced as the sun. Why? Because he shines on us with his smile. And he's also our shield. He protects us from the enemy. He protects us from our sin. He protects us from ourselves. And when the writers express their passionate longing for God, you know, a lot of times we think that they're and we, think, we know that maybe they're thinking about the buildings or thinking about the festival or they're thinking about the temple because maybe unlike us, they focus so much on a building. And I think that's really instructive to us because, you know, all of us, all in our minds, we are just super excited that we got to sign the lease last week on the building and how good it would be to have a permanent building. But I know that the heart of the elders and the heart of us is that if there is a building but the presence of God is not in it, we'd rather not have a building at all. And so I'm so encouraged as we were talking and praying as the elders just share their heart for prayer being the engine room that would drive our church and, and then the furnace that would 
just enliven our affections for who he is, then that's going to power our church to be able to advance his kingdom because we are hot in the embers of the affections of God, who is our sun and shield. And nothing good does he withhold for those who walk uprightly. That who would say, I would love for nothing else than to be in the presence of God. To find my heart dance of where he is. To find my heart's delight and affection to be in Jesus. If that's where God is calling us, may it be. This is the very purpose why we live. This is where we are called to, that his people, his worshipers would find our rest and his smile in the presence of a triune God who invites us into his love, invites us into his kingdom, and invites us into his presence. And he closes with this in 84, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Oh, family, that's where I want to be, amen? Amen. This is where God wants us to be, in a place where we are finding our joy and our excitement and our delights in being with him and being and trusting him for what he has. So I have just two points. I just love for us to pray. Um, Pray for Hope Church like never before. Pray for the building to be saturated for the presence of God. Pray for our hearts to be delighting in him. Pray for that our hearts would just leap with delight in worship. Even this summer that you would experience just an incredible love for God that you've never known before. Then secondly, spend time asking God to, for you to delight in him. In the ordinary rhythms of of church, of our liturgies, of our rhythm, of our, of our day, of how we go about reenacting the gospel as we worship. Just wanna invite the worship team to come and just for us to spend some time adoring God for who he is, just being in his presence. Thank you, God, for blessing us, God, with a picture of a lover picture of a worshiper whose delight and trust is in you. And I pray, Father, that you would bring your hope, your joy, your peace, your presence, your fullness, the fullness of joy would come into our body, into our hearts, to our souls tonight. You'd fill our hearts with joy. And also, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with joy in our church that you'd saturate us like nothing before and like ever before, that you would bring a spirit of joy and delight over us, God, one that cannot be measured, but that we can measure how high and how wide and how deep and how great your love is for your church, that you'd bring glory to yourself. God, raise our expectations as well. I pray that you would change us no matter where we are, whether we've been a covenant member for years or where we're just coming in and we're just thinking through about what, what you have in store for us. We're not even sure, but Lord, I just pray that you would increase our expectations for what you will do 
as we get covenant together and we link together as a covenant body of Christ, as we link arms with fellow believers who are united only by Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the God the Father and by our love for the scriptures and to pursue you, that Lord, as covenant members, that we would grab a hold of one another and we would pursue holiness and pursue your love and pursue your affection. Thank you, Father. We love you and pray that you would move in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to invite you to worship.